Hello there, and thanks for listening in to our Die of Matthew study. Die of Matthew is the dive study that began it all. Throughout February of 2019, lives were changed and the scriptures came alive to a group of about 50 people as they dove into the book of Matthew, all 28 chapters in 28 days. It moved at a fast clip, but even with that rigorous pace, it became clear that it was worth pursuing an ongoing ministry based on these studies. This is how Dive Collective began. Our new dive studies will be formatted differently, but the process of inductive study remains the same. So as you listen through the book of Matthew, know that we are waiting to welcome you into our current live dive studies where we engage with our Bible study members and dive in at a manageable pace for study. You can find everything you need to know at divecollective.org under our studies tab. Enjoy your time in Dive Matthew, and we hope you'll join us in real time soon. So welcome to Dive Matthew, where we're going to be doing 28 chapters of Matthew in 28 days. For the first study, you're going to want to download our dive guide at www.divecollective.org in our shop under free downloads. Dive studies are our version of inductive Bible study. This particular study of Matthew was the first one we did back in 2019. I hosted that dive guide in a different format on a different website at the time, but now if you want to join in and see how to do a dive study before committing to join us live, you'll want to go ahead and go to divecollective.org to download and get started. So we're going to go ahead and read through the 12th chapter of Matthew. If you'd like to skip ahead because you've already read the chapter, you can go ahead and do that now. You're going to want to join back in at approximately 6 minutes and 30 seconds. At that time, Jesus passed through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick and eat some heads of grain. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, See, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Haven't you read what David did when he and those who were with him were hungry? How he entered the house of God and they ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or those with him to eat, but only the priests? Or haven't you read in the law that on Sabbath days the priests in the temple violate the Sabbath and are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Moving on from there, he entered their synagogue. There he saw a man who had a shriveled hand, and in order to accuse him, they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? He replied to them, Who among you, if he had a sheep that fell into a pit on the Sabbath, wouldn't take hold of it and lift it out? A person is worth far more than a sheep, so it is lawful to do what is good on the Sabbath. Then he told the man, Stretch out your hand. So he stretched it out, and it was restored, as good as the other. But the Pharisees went out and plotted against him, how they might kill him. Jesus was aware of this and withdrew. Large crowds followed him, and he healed them all. He warned them not to make him known, so what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not argue or shout, and no one will hear his voice in the streets. He will not break a bruised reed, and he will not put out a smoldering wick until he has led justice to victory. The nations will put their hope in his name. Then a demon-possessed man, who was blind and unable to speak, was brought to him. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, Could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Knowing their thoughts, he told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. 
If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the one to come. Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you are evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. He answered them, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because they repented at Jonah's preaching, and look, something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and look, something greater than Solomon is here. When an unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams through waterless places looking for rest, but doesn't find any. Then it says, I'll go back to my house that I came from. Returning, it finds the house vacant, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter and settle down there. As a result, that person's last condition is worse than the first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation. While he was still speaking with the crowds, his mother and brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to the one who was speaking to him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So this section that talks about the unclean spirits and how this person had one unclean spirit and he comes out and he comes back and finds it all clean and swept and then it goes and gets seven other people or seven seven other spirits and they enter and the person is worse, worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It makes me think of, I can't give you a reference, but the, basically the principle that the whole put off, put on concept. Do you remember where that is? Is it Galatians or Ephesians? Oh, nope. Anyway. I know what you're talking about. Take off something and put on righteousness. Right. When we, when we put off, when we take off, like basically that old man, when we mm-hmm. become a child of God, basically mm-hmm. we're out with the old and with the new kind of, but that whole concept of replacing something, even, even just when, when we are have a life coach that's trying to help you get rid of a bad habit it's Mm -hmm. not enough to just stop the habit you kind of have to replace it with something good otherwise you're going to go right back to where you were before Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what it makes me think of like people this person seems like they're okay because the spirit is gone but they have not replaced it with what is true yeah and so they're still just wide open for more of the bad right which makes me think of 
when you think of somebody that's trying to overcome an addiction, so many times people try to overcome an addiction and they end up with three more addictions. Right. Because they are filling it with something else, but they're not filling it with... with something good, necessarily. Yeah. They're yeah. not filling it with... I mean, the only thing that can fill us is right. God, right? Yeah, or the spirit. Yeah, right. hole. Everyone, I, I don't remember where I heard that, but... Yeah, everyone has a God-sized hole that only he can fill. You know? Right, and we try to fill it with all of the other right. things. And that's I think that's exactly what that part is talking about, yeah. is that um, if we try to get rid of one thing that we're filling our lives with that right. is destroying us, we're only going to pick six more things that are going to destroy mm-hmm. us unless we choose to fill it with our God-sized hole with God. Yes. Okay, I'm going to see what I can do here for this. Uh, house divided portion because this is the part of this chapter that really stood out to me. I, there's a few th- observations that I love from this section. So 20 verses 22 through 32. Um, the demon possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him. He healed him so that the man could both speak and see. This it almost breaks my heart in the in the part where the man with the shriveled hand comes and the Pharisees are basically asking him if it's lawful to heal on the Sabbath. And it makes me so mad because Jesus is saying, oh, if a sheep was stuck, you would heal it. But a person, like mm-hmm. I can't heal a person. Are you, what is wrong with mm-hmm. you? Like that. And that makes me sad. It just the reality, because he would only say that if it was true, that these Pharisees really would be okay with somebody going and helping a sheep. But the idea that that Jesus can do this thing for a man, they're going to trap him with that is mm-hmm. what makes me so angry about it. I guess, I guess because that whole attitude toward righteousness or doing things according to the letter of the law and missing the whole missing point the whole is... Point so aggravating to me when I watch people try to put the law on new believers Mm -hmm. and they get lost in the law and totally miss the whole point which is healing and freedom Mm -hmm. oh it makes me so mad so like this I read that part and as I just observe the text just going okay so these are people that would have been fine with like with taking a sheep out but they're literally upset with him for giving a man back his life. <laughs> How, I guess maybe, maybe it's a righteous anger. How was Jesus so patient with him, mm-hmm. with them? He, and he wasn't, he was mad at them and he would right. call he them pretty blunt. brood of vipers, but I don't know. just, that makes me mad. So anyway, now he is literally given back a man, the ability to see and to speak mm-hmm. again. He's given this man back his life. The crowds were ast- astounded, but the Pharisees were talking among themselves, and they said, this man drives out demons only by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. The observation is that in verse 25, Jesus says, knowing their thoughts, he told them. So Jesus just healed a man, but the, the people that he's addressing in this next portion are the Pharisees who had not been speaking to Jesus. There was no reason for Jesus to know what they were talking about. But yet he addresses their thoughts. So it's a miracle inside a miracle again, right? So he's done this miracle and now he's going to address the Pharisees very precise thoughts by saying, how could I use a demonic power to cast out demons? It doesn't even, that doesn't make any sense. And you actually brought up the point that there's another passage that says it better. 
or more sarcastically. Yeah, you, Mark's, the one in Mark, just, you can feel Jesus' sarcasm a little bit more, but he's basically, it's the same story. Yeah. Yeah. So then moving to the end of that passage, he says, therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the son of man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the one to come. That passage has always sort of tripped me up. Mm -hmm. They always talk about the unforgivable sin. And I think this is where they get that from, is Mm -hmm. that Jesus is saying, like, you can speak against me, but don't speak against the Holy Spirit. So this portion is another one of those. I feel like God gives me these little treats in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) This, you know, I go for my devotions and I'm reading through this and I've kind of stumbled on this passage and this is what I'm wrestling with. Well, at the same time, I'm reading through the Bible in a year. And so another passage will maybe sometimes he gives me another passage that brings light to this path to the passage that I'm looking at. Somewhere near this time that I'm studying this passage in Matthew, I come to John 14 verses eight and following which says, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still don't know me, Philip? Here I'm kind of comparing where Jesus says, Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. So Philip isn't speaking a word against him, but he's basically saying, Show us the Father, and it's enough for us. Like, he clearly doesn't know that when he sees Jesus, he's looking at, he's getting to know the Father. Mm -hmm. So Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. And here's the key phrase here, or else believe on account of the works themselves. This is what's happening here in this passage is that we're seeing like God, Jesus is doing these works and he's saying, you can see me, a man and not get it. I get that. But when you see the work of the Holy Spirit or the miracles of God and you still can't see God, you're in big trouble. If you can't see the works that I'm doing, I recognize that the spirit of God is on me. That's a real problem. That really shed a lot of light on this passage or that idea like what if I what if I sin against the Holy Spirit or what if I blaspheme against the Holy Spirit and I'm never forgiven well that's not that's not the thing the thing is is that if you can't recognize the Holy Spirit and you can't recognize when the Holy Spirit is at work you are in trouble like you Mm -hmm. are so blind Mm -hmm. to the possibility or to the reality of God's presence in the midst of you that and Jesus is and I love that Jesus is basically saying like it's fine if you see me, the man, and you can't see God, like I, because mm-hmm. I'm clearly wrapped in the flesh that looks just like the rest of you. But the part of God that's in me, His Spirit, um, that makes me equal to God, that part you should recognize, because that is those works. Those are that is the Spirit. We know the Spirit by by its works. The, the Spirit doesn't have flesh or a, a physical mm-hmm. anything physical for us to know it and that's why he says you know when it talks about the spirit is like a wind we don't actually we never see it but we can see it by its effects that's how you get to know the holy spirit is by recognizing when it's at work by seeing the effects of it either in another person or as it manifests itself 
anyway, so that's my, that's sort of, that was my big takeaway from this chapter was that idea that it's so important that we call the work of God what it really is and acknowledge that it is the work of God mm-hmm. rather than try to account for it by any other thing, which I think is really the, the issue here. God wants the glory for his work. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else? Kind of going back to what you were talking about earlier when you were talking about how you were so frustrated that the Pharisees just could not get over the fact that he was going to heal this man on the Sabbath. Um, right before that in chapter 12 at the, yeah, we're in chapter 12, right at the very Mm -hmm. end of seven, he says again, if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mm. You would not have condemned the innocent. And that's when he's talking about Jesus and his disciples passing through and picking grain on the Sabbath. And he uses the example of David. So this is at least the second time that Matthew has quoted that. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. It was back in chapter nine also. Um, Great observation. Jesus, Jesus quotes that same passage, I mm. desire mercy and not sacrifice. It's from Hosea 6. Um, Hosea 6, 6. So that I feel like is another Jesus just turning the world upside down and saying, your sacrifices don't mean anything anymore. This is, you're, you're missing the point. The whole point is that God is merciful on you mm-hmm. in spite of whether or not you do the right sacrifices. I just noticed that my Bible has it in bold, so that probably helped me notice it too. And I recognized that I had seen that phrase <clears throat> earlier. That actually makes for a great observation too, because he's literally saying, I desire mercy and not sacrifice while he's on his way to the temple or to the synagogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Where they do the sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I also had, I think one of the other reasons it stood out to me is because let me see if I can find it. Our Bibles have these little devotions and I had just read one for later on in Matthew about the great mercy of God and how just that reminder that we forgive others because we have been forgiven much. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another reason why that stood out to me because I had already seen that. I had already read that um, devotion. I was thinking as you were saying that about, I think also what makes me so mad about that passage is that I think I felt better about them being, maybe calling Jesus out on healing on the Sabbath when I thought that they weren't doing anything on the Sabbath. Yeah. But when it, like if you read it carefully and you see Mm -hmm. they actually do do some things Mm -hmm. on the Sabbath. So some things are okay. Why would this not be okay? Well, it seems like if they do it, it's okay. It reminds me of that whole, like, get the log out of your own eye before you take the splinter out of your friend's eye. Right, right, right. That is such a good example of us, how we as humans completely overlook all the screwed up things that we do Mm -hmm. and see all the screwed up things that other people do when they're not even the wrong thing. Like we, we just... That's such a good example of it respect in the log. Yes. Yeah. It's just, I've never seen it that way before. But man. Yeah. People. Justice. We want justice right. so much that like, that's that's how I'm feeling. Like that's so unjust. That mm-hmm. makes me so mad because on the outside I can see it. But Right. Because you're reading the story from a, like a total third party. Yes. But I can totally see myself being a Pharisee and being like, you're totally breaking the law. What is wrong with you? Yes. And I've just done at least that same thing maybe right. times 10. Because I can yeah. even think of excuses now. Like I'm looking at it. I'm like, well, this guy, he can live another day with a shriveled hand. He's lived his whole life. But if I don't pull the sheep out today, it might die by tomorrow. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I can totally come up with excuses why it would be okay for me to pull the sheep out and not okay for <laughs> Jesus to heal the hand. That's, such, that's a good point. <laughs> he could definitely wait till tomorrow right. to heal the blind and the sick. They've been like that for 30 years. Why not let them have another year? (laughs) 
per day. That is really, that's good stuff. Thanks for listening to this episode of Dive Matthew. If you enjoyed our version of Inductive Bible Study and want to join our community of people all working on the same book of the Bible together, come check us out at divecollective.org and sign up for one of our current live dive studies. We believe you'll find a welcoming community, one where you'll be challenged, inspired, and uplifted. Come and see.